Thank you for listening to the Words and Nerds podcast. Danny V here. This episode is part of the Summer Series Takeover 2021, where a friend of the pod interviews an author of their choice to chat about books and any other topic they choose. Enjoy. Danny. Danny. Thank you so much for having me back. And it's a joy to be back. And I believe you put a spell, a good spell, uh, on the journey of Boy Swallows Universe about two years ago. And um, I've never, ever forgotten uh, how kind and generous you were to have me on early on um, when Trent Dalton and the world of uh, literary fiction were, were pretty strange to each other. And uh, I was very touched that you took the time of day. And I'm, and it's so cool that you took the time of day again. I feel like I'm part of the Words and Nerds family. You guys are so amazing and lovely and such a family of amazing literary lovers and creators and people who advocate. Oh, thanks so much for your questions, engaging with the novel and for everything you're doing. I know the podcast is hugely, hugely loved. So um, you're a gem. I think it's awesome the work that you do you know, we're out there in this pool of, of like how many writers there are in this country and we're all trying to get our book to the surface. Podcasts like this enable us to do that and also to talk about our craft. Danny, you're a gift from heaven. I love that you're such a great supporter and advocate for not only kids' books but adult novels too. I love your interviews across the board. Kudos to you, Danny, for, uh, for getting everyone to relax so much that they open up and tell you such interesting things for the benefit of your listeners. So, <laughs> Thanks, right. Jeff. Yeah, well done. That's so yeah. true. Oh, my gosh, I just told you all these things that I've never talked about before. I could never edit that bit out. I could do this, and I was just so comfortable that I was like, It's a special knack. Who wouldn't want to celebrate this fabulous podcast? Jessica Townsend, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, Miss Nat Amor. Amor. Is it, <laughs> do you know, I always, in your head, this is where I'm off on a tangent already, in my head, I'm never quite sure how to pronounce your surname. Sometimes in my head, you're called Nat Amore, just for fun. Um, I think people often like me to sound more exotic than I really am. <laughs> uh, I always get Amor, I get Amore, but it's actually Amor, so you nailed it. Okay, good. But I'll literally answer to anything. So if you're just like, oi, you. <laughs> That's good. So how are you, Nat Amor? I'm very well, actually. I'm enjoying summer, seeing it's actually the weather just got beautiful and I live near the beach, so lots of beach time. But I hear you are on uh, a little vacay. I am on a little jaunt. Well, it's kind of like a working vacay really oh. yeah I'm, I mean I'm down here I'm I'm work, I've just I'm officially I've officially kicked off my working year yesterday because I'm writing the fourth book in my series so um just doing that normal work but in a really nice place I'm in Tasmania which is nice that is nice so hang on you've you're just you started writing the fourth one shouldn't it be coming out in like it's coming out next week. What is going on? How long do I have to wait? <laughs> it's coming out uh, in seven days. I've just, I've really got to put a rock on this week. Really got to get myself into gear. Um, <laughs> I knew you were good, yes, but I didn't know you were that good. <laughs> I didn't either. In fact, Nat, I would have to say I don't think anyone um, would, would ever suspect me of being that good ever. <laughs> So explain yourself then. 
Are you literally starting to write it down? Oh, no, no, no. So, no. So when I say oh. I'm starting, I mean, like, I'm starting my 20th. So I took the first week and a bit of January off, basically. Oh. Like, I took, no. So I took time off over Christmas. No, but I had already, I'd, I'd started basically from when the Holopox tour kind of ended. So I had, I had already gotten in a good, like, seven or so weeks of work. So I'm, I'm a good chunk into book four and really enjoying it, which is nice. But, um, yeah, now i just got to crack on. Yeah, nice. And do, do you know when it's supposed to be? I don't know. We, we don't have a date yet. It's, um, yeah, I, I, would, I would just say, like, it's not going to be very soon. But it's, you know, hopefully <laughs> hopefully, won't be too far away. I don't know how to answer that question because I don't know how to answer it in a way that doesn't get me in trouble um, <laughs> with, like, readers or publishers or agent or someone. But I, the answer is I don't know, but I'm working on it. <laughs> I think being mysteriously vague adds to your allure. So well done. You. It's my brand. That's my brand is just vague. Not even mysteriously vague, just vague. <laughs> I love it. I think I think it works for you. Thank you. What what are you, what are you doing at the moment? What are you working on? Oh, I've just handed in the copy edit for book 3. Yes, that's exciting. Yeah, that comes out in June this year. I keep going to say June next year, but I'm like, no, wait, it's 2021. It's this year. Oh my so, god, you're a machine. Can you can you say anything? But can you tell? Can I have a spoiler? Yeah. Um. So it's the third in the Watterson series. So it's the mm-hmm. third and maybe final of the so millionaire pranking and and mm-hmm. this book. Yes. All of these three books happen in Watterson, the town. Yeah. And each character has appeared in the book before. So the main character in book three popped up in The Power of Positive Pranking. So you could have a guess who that might be. But it's, you know, it's another sort of read alone. But I would say maybe has a bit more, like you'll get a little bit more out of this one if you have read the other two. But you could still read it as a standalone. But it's kind of a a very, a wrap up of the Watterson world in an unexpected but delightful way that I think maybe particularly you might enjoy. Oh, that's that's very mysteriously vague, Nat. You're getting this mysteriously yeah. vague thing too. <laughs> I learned from the best. <laughs> um, that sounds amazing. I love the um, I love the idea of the you know it's all in one universe. Well, universe town, like you know, like the little. I think that readers love that kind of. Oh, here's a little hat tip to something that. If you've read the previous two, then you're going to get this in a way that other readers won't necessarily get. I think that people really like that. I know I enjoy that. Yeah. Well, and I think like um, one thing that's good about it, especially being quite new on the scene, is that I can kind of kids can pick up any of them, whichever one kind of appeals to them. And then if they do like my writing they can bounce around to the other ones and it doesn't necessarily mean that if they go oh I'm really into pranks but I better go get that other one first like you don't have to do that yeah you get like each one is its own little entry into the world yeah so hopefully uh yeah smooth sailing and I've got all my fingers and toes and eyes and um teeth crossed for um, (laughs) 2021 allowing me to you know oh I hope so get around and be out there I mean I would I I feel like I am an overly optimistic person but I just have a good feeling I've got a good feeling about June I I think maybe I have too good a feeling because I did book tickets to I was meant to be going or I am supposed to be going on a UK tour in 
um, May. And I just, I just don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Who knows? Who knows what the world will be like by May? But I was talking to my agent last night and we were both like, hmm, maybe not. However, the Jess Townsend of a month ago was so optimistic about that happening that she booked tickets to a show in London at the Barbican for just after the tour. So I don't know what she was like what vibes she was enjoying no. but she was very hopeful Jess a month ago and Nat a month ago could have totally hung out because <laughs> I've got tickets to Melbourne next week I've so got funny. yeah I've got an international thing that's supposed to be happening halfway through the year like I'm we were we were at a bar sitting way closer than a meter and a half away from people um toasting 2021 together a month ago so um yep. in this virtual safe world yeah 100% but yep. you know what I'm a I'm I think I'm a bit like you I'm definitely a a, a glasses half full and hopefully overflowing kind of person so um, I'm gonna go with everything will be fine by then and then when it's not I'll just deal with it cheers, cheers to that may our, may our 2021 glasses overflow with happiness and joy oh I love it <laughs> sounds good and then I'll come I'll come up to um Brisbane and we can uh, actually like yeah. talk to each other in person and yes please do come up to the sunny coast and we'll, we'll hang out we'll have beach time oh I love it so speaking of did you what was your Christmas like did you get home Christmas with the fam it was very nice I've been home so my home is the Sunshine Coast in Queensland and I have been home since uh, like April last year so I kind of live live I kind of live rough roughly half the time in the UK and half the time in Australia for the last few years and um I was in the UK when COVID struck and then raced home so I've been home ever since then um since like the end of March and it's been just I mean, I know that you're not supposed to say this in a pandemic year. Obviously, like, you know, everything is is dreadful, but I touch wood and I can say I've been very lucky that I've just been, you know, we've been in our little Queensland bubble, had my family around, it's been lovely, and that's kind of what Christmas was. It was just quiet family, hanging out with friends, beach walks almost every day. Um, yeah, it was really, I feel very lucky. It was it felt it felt very normal for a 2020 Christmas. How about you? Uh, quite the opposite. <laughs> oh my god! Sorry, that was very insensitive of me because you're in Sydney, aren't you? I, I I can never remember if you're in Sydney or Melbourne. Oh god, I'm the worst. No, but <laughs> I'm in Sydney, but I'm from Melbourne, so right, we were right, supposed right. to be going to see my parents um, oh, for Christmas. Okay. Um, but we also live on the northern beaches, oh. so the day before two days maybe before we were leaving to drive down to mum and dad who I haven't seen for a, a long time because mm. obviously well also we live in different states but also because of COVID um yeah. we were supposed to be driving down and then they shut the borders I think like the day before two days before we were supposed to leave oh, um and then of course Northern Beaches was in lockdown yeah so which, you know, to be honest, for me, it was fine. Um, I had a copy edit to do. So um, I was just like, yay, more time to work. I think for my partner, it was a bit more difficult because he was looking forward to the break. Um, yeah. And I think for my parents, it was a bit more difficult because they've they'd gone through Victorian lockdown. Mum, um, they're both retired and mum's um, a very a social butterfly and all her, you know, she does baking for the heart, which is like, you know, baking food for people who are in like hospice care and stuff like that. Oh, wow. She does craft group and all this stuff. And it's just been cancelled for the whole year. So her oh, life is kind of like the rug's been ripped out from under her feet. And I think Christmas for her was a bit of a light at the end of the tunnel. 
And mm. um, then when that got yanked, I think it was a bit disappointing for her. And that made me a bit sad. But yeah. but honestly, for me, I, I was fine. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't tell her I said that. But um... <laughs> oh, oh, that is rough though. Like I, I feel like that, especially with her having gone through the Melbourne lockdown and then to have Christmas taken away because you're like her daughter is then in lockdown. Like that's, that's doubly rough, isn't it? It was a little harsh, but you know, we I think, you know, comparatively if we look at the world around us, we're yeah. we're in a pretty good pretty good place, so, you know, yeah. no no complaints. But um so what what does what is like how does your Christmas look like? What do you eat? What are your traditions? Like is there anything what's a Townsend Christmas look like? <laughs> so, a Townsend Christmas. So, I feel like I as, you know, this will come as a surprise to no one, but I really feel like in a family of like Christmas fanatics, I really kind of lead the charge on Christmas fanaticism in my family. Okay. Um, I am one of, so I, we, we have like my mum, my, my two sisters, my nephew and my two nieces as well. So there's kind of the seven of us that have this little hub of, of Christmas and it's really just like a month of me forcing everyone to listen to Christmas music all the time. And my two nieces who are teenagers, well, one's 17 and one's 20, and they just for several years now have been much too cool for Christmas music. And they get so annoyed whenever I put on my Spotify Christmas playlist. But that just brings me extra joy because I'm like, I don't know why. It's just, it's just like this, this very silly rebellion that's in me against somehow against two teenage nieces. I'm like, I am rebelling against your lack of Christmas cheer by exploding with extra Christmas cheer that I will have on your behalf. So I there's that. There's that for starters. Um, we... Listen, I've got to tell you, this is so ridiculous. You want to know how ridiculous my family is? I absolutely want to know how ridiculous your family is. We're so ridiculous. Okay, so last year, okay, so I, you know, obviously set the scene. We all know what 2020 was. It was, you know, weird for everyone. My sister um, and my nephew and my niece who were all living in Manchester um, uh, when I, and I was over in the UK as well and we were all there at the same time and then COVID struck and we basically, they, they had been planning to live there for several years because we have they have ancestry visas. Um, and my, my nephew, this is a little brag, I like to tell everyone this because I'm such a proud auntie, my nephew had been scouted by the Manchester United like development squad and was training with them. Oh, he's wow. A, he's a really good footballer. He's fi- he's 15. He's just turned 15. He's amazing. Um, so they were living in Manchester. You know, they were having a grand old time. And then COVID struck. We raced home, you know, like were very, very lucky to even be able to get home at all. We were lucky that we were able to make that split decision and book a flight for a few days' time and blah, blah, blah. So came home, quarantined. We have, we have an immunocompromised family member. And so even though Queensland was not in lockdown really for most of 2020 for most of 2020 we were pretty much treating ourselves like treating it as if we were in lockdown because we just didn't want to risk it my mum is um high risk health wise so we we wanted to all sort of take care of her um so this you know that's that's the scene of what this year is like they've just like had to drop this great opportunity that my nephew's had we've all come home my niece who's 20 who was gonna go and be there on her two-year working holiday visa had to like come home after four or five months so in when june or when july rolls around and people started talking about christmas in july we all started listening to christmas music we were like let's have christmas (laughs) so so we got our christmas tree 
sorry. We like set the whole thing up. We put fairy lights everywhere. We did. We didn't do like obviously. Obviously, it would be insane to do like a proper like Christmas present thing. But like we did stockings for each other. We did a Christmas lunch. But it was so it was so fun because it was so relaxed. There was like no pressure. It was like imagine all of the best parts of Christmas, but then take away all of the pressure of Christmas. It was like that. Um, so yeah. it was it was just it was so much fun. So basically, our family had two Christmases last year, and then. Because we're just extra. We're just ridiculous. We're very silly, silly people. <laughs> That's amazing. My um my brother's been campaign campaigning for a July Christmas for as long as I can remember because he has like a five hundred acre farm up oh, in wow. Queensland. Cool. And then I live in Sydney and then my parents live in Victoria. Um and so we are never together for Christmas. Like it just oh. I think it's been I think all four of us have been together twice in like the last, I don't know, 15 years or something. Like it's just not a thing. Yeah. Um, and for Dane, because it's wet season in December, it's like the worst time for him to leave the farm yeah. because there's like flooding and cows are getting stuck in mud and I don't know, whatever farm people issues they have <laughs> in December. Crops and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like, like farmy stuff. <laughs> It's really hard for him to leave in December. And so he's like, like, who cares about the December Christmas? Like, let's do it in July and then we could actually all get together and have a Christmas because we can never seem to get it coordinated <laughs> in December because we'll live in different states. You should definitely do this. Your brother is 100% correct. You need to make it happen. I'm hey, I'm sold. <laughs> I just I'm unlike unlike you who seems to coordinate everything. I am an anti coordinator. Um, I um I spent many years of my life as as a like events coordinator. Like that's what I did, right. an events manager at a at a hotel resort. And so now the idea of the best Christmas for me is seeing no one and doing nothing. <laughs> that is like my ultimate Christmas. Yeah, because I spent so many Christmases like moving podiums and setting up decorations and spending so much time making sure everything was happening and everybody else was having a great time. Now a perfect Christmas to me looks like nothing happening, like me and yeah. my partner sitting in a park eating prawns. That's a perfect Christmas. That's a joy. That's a joyful Christmas. Well, maybe your brother with his five hundred acre farm, he can be the Christmas call the the Christmas in July coordinator or whatever you choose to call it. We called ours Moralmas because we were like, we all need a morale boost. So we're going to have a Moralmas in July. So you could, you guys could have an annual Moralmas and just get your brother to do everything for you. So clearly you've never met my brother. (laughs) (laughs) No, he's not going to take you up on that. No, I like. I think getting him on the phone once a year for my birthday is always a stretch. So um, the idea of him organising a Christmas is so laughable that I can't even like tell you. You really, I really wish you could meet my brother right now to see how funny you're being. <laughs> I don't know how I'm like stumbled into the role, but the thing is, like, I am not an organised person. I am not even a particularly motivated person. Like, I am not a natural fit for the role of Christmas coordinator but somehow this has happened and I think it's just purely because I just take so much delight in planning every single aspect of Christmas because I love Christmas so much so yeah somehow I become like the the little Christmas cheerleader and everyone just comes along for the ride but if it's the one thing every year if it's the the only thing I have to organize and then that's fine because no one can rely on me to do anything else I think that like that unbridled 
Christmas joy is enough to get you through, right? Because it doesn't yeah. actually take that much coordination and organization. Not saying that you're not coordinated or organized. <laughs> I am saying that. Um, <laughs> Listen, I, 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 I don't even just coordinate and organize. I do all of the cooking as well. Oh. So I do... Yeah, we do like, uh, usually we do like maybe like a Christmas Eve dinner and then Christmas Day breakfast or something. But I plan the menu. I cook everything. I mean, maybe sometimes my sisters will chop some veggies for me if I ask them nicely. <laughs> but like, that's about, no, that's that's unfair wow. actually. They they are good like little sous chefs. They're good, they're good helpers in the kitchen. But um, no, I get in there. But you're right. It's really, it's it's not much, is it? It's I think it's mostly like I'm the, the, the cheerleader. That's it. It's Christmas cheerleader more than Christmas coordinator. But what's your what's your speciality in the kitchen? Oh my gosh, Nat, what isn't my? No, that's wrong. I don't particularly have a speciality. I was going to brag, and then I'm like, you've got nothing to brag about, Townsend. Um, I can do a turkey. Um, <laughs> I I do like I do like to cook a turkey. <laughs> I use the Jamie Oliver method of cooking the turkey. I went rogue this year and did like this weird Buzzfeed, you know, Buzzfeed Tasty. They have, they do all these like crazy little yep. shortcuts and stuff. So I, this year I was like, I'm going rogue. I'm going to, I, I got this great turkey. I cut it up into its constituent parts. Never again. It was terrible. And I brined it for too long. It was salty. It was dry. I just, I listen, it was fine. But do you know what happened this year is that on Christmas Eve, we were, no, it was Christmas Eve, Eve. Um, we were doing our Christmas dinner for whatever reason. My sister and her boyfriend would spending Christmas Eve with his family so we were like fine let's do it on the 23rd um and then on Christmas Eve Eve just as I was like I was going to kick off the prep at noon and I was like this is going to be five solid hours of cooking and prep in the kitchen I'm here for it I'm up for it today and what did we get now we got a blackout for like four and a half hours (laughs) so I cancelled Christmas dinner happening we kept holding out thinking this will happen. now look I spend very little time in the kitchen I think like um between the ages of 18 and now I've been in the kitchen if you put them back to back for maybe a week so like <laughs> I'm definitely not a kitchen person I don't really cook it's not my jam yeah. but I know for sure I can confidently say that if you're cooking a turkey a blackout is a bad thing right yes that is like turkey 101 <laughs> if you need electricity you can't you can't just like rub your hands together and generate heat to cook it it doesn't happen like that unless you're Mr Miyagi and then you're like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then you can do anything um no so I literally got to the point in the afternoon where I was like I'm going to call, I'm going to call it a day on this one. We're cancelling Christmas dinner. And then finally the power came back on and I like randomly cooked a few bits and pieces and we ate some kind of mishmash of Christmas dinner at like 11 o'clock at night. And it was fine. It was totally fine. I feel like Christmas is meant to happen that way. Is you meant to like plan it so that you you imagine your perfect Christmas in your head and then at least half a dozen things are meant to go wrong and then it ends up completely not what you were planning and it's totally fine. Right. Oh, okay. Oh, I, I mean, I don't know. You're talking to the wrong person. Like I spent nine, nine or 10 years working in a hotel resort where I was eating from a buffet every day. So to me, Christmas dinner fed 800 people and someone else did the cooking. <laughs> 
So who does your cooking? There's no cooking, Jess. I just told you we go to Coles and buy four kilograms of prawns and sit in a park. No, my mum is an exceptional. Oh, is she? Okay. There has to be one. Yeah, if we, if we, uh, like, that's mum's thing. She cooks. Like, she's unbelievable. Um, So if we were with her, that would be the thing but like this Christmas we went and bought like olives and saucisson and cheese and just like had a picnic for Christmas but the one thing so I've so first of all when we're discussing turkeys um, I've never cooked one I've never even the only time I've seen one being cooked is I was in um, I spent a year in the states and um, someone cooked one for Thanksgiving Um, that's the first time I've ever seen a turkey being cooked and actually the people that I was with I was with I was like oh wow I've I've actually never had like a a whole cooked turkey before (laughs) and they were like oh my god what do you eat on Thanksgiving and I was like (laughs) (laughs) we don't do Thanksgiving in Australia I thought I thought they were gonna say that Matt, you don't get to eat the whole thing. You have to share it. Come on, mate. <laughs> it's Thanksgiving. This is enough for you. Um, do they really think that we do Thanksgiving in Australia? Bless them. I mean, unless you actually, like, if it's just part of your, like, life, I guess unless you actually really think about, like, yeah. it's like Christmas. I think of Christmas as, like, Santa and presents. But if you actually think about where the history of Christmas is, it's got something to do with something that I have nothing to do with. Yeah. So, like, I guess if you're – if it's something that you celebrate every year, because to them Thanksgiving is probably about, like, being with family and, and being grateful and sitting around and eating turkey. Yeah, so I guess, like, the question – I mean, once they thought about it, they were like, oh, yeah, of course you don't. <laughs> well, the only thing I remember about the turkey is that it took, like, 14 hours to cook that thing. Like, oh, it, yeah. It, it's so long. It's so long and I always underestimate it. This is the thing. I think in my head I'm a, and I am a pretty good cook. Like I can I can rustle up a pretty good roast. I can do, you know, I can I can do I do okay. But like I am not Nigella Lawson. And I also am very deeply disorganized person and like don't and and, and again, like it all comes back to optimism, right? So every single Christmas we have a repeat or every single time I cook anything for like a whole the whole group of our family. They'll be like, well, so what time are we eating? And I'll say, oh, you know, three o'clock. Next minute, it's ten p.m. <laughs> and we're like, just, you know, I, I don't know what my problem is, but yes, turkeys take a long time to cook. Yeah, I don't even know why anyone would ever bother. Like, you know, I just would get a microwave lasagna, and that. <laughs> Honestly, that sounds delicious. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with a microwave lasagna. Well, we've definitely um, nailed down the difference in our um, our Christmases, that's for sure, <laughs> and our, our Christmas spreads. All right, so Christmas equals, I mean, in Australia, it may be winter, uh, wintery in the UK, but in Australia it equals summer holidays. So did you, when you were a kid, what did summer, like, did you have a place that you went for summer holidays? Like, what did you do for your big, you know, end of year before the next year of school starts break? I mean, not really. We didn't do summer holidays. I grew up in a very working class family where, I mean, I don't remember us ever taking a single holiday, <laughs> um, but we were also very lucky because we lived on the Sunshine Coast. So there's, a, you know, 10 different beaches within 15 minutes of my house. So I just remember lots of beach time, lots of, I mean, summer holidays were also, because I grew up as well doing like a lot of different performing arts things so even on the quote-unquote summer holidays there were lots of like um 
you know, commitments that I still had, dancing lessons and singing and drama and blah, blah, blah. So um, that's kind of how I remember it. It's just being like busy, busy, busy all the time. But then with these like stretches of let's just go and spend an entire weekend, you know, playing football at the beach and, and taking nice long swims and walking the dogs and stuff. So it was kind of kind of nice, like kind of kind of idyllic in that way. What about you? So you grew up on the northern beaches? No, no. I grew up on the Mornington Peninsula down in Victoria. Oh, right. Yes, sir. Yeah, so we, we grew up on a farm down on the Mornington Peninsula. Um, but we we were a uh, – so my mum was born or was from a town called Kurang, which is <laughs> – like, I couldn't even tell you where it is um, – somewhere <laughs> between like – Bendigo and Ballarat, I don't know, somewhere. It's in Victoria, but it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, and we used to go, she got handed down, a, there was a, a lake called Lake Charm mm-hmm. and there was a caravan park um, and she got sort of handed down a membership from her dad. And so we used to go to Lake Charm um, and staying in a caravan for the entire summer holidays. Wow. Yeah, because mum was a school teacher, so yeah. she had the same um, holidays as we did. Uh, it would be the same kids would come back there every year, so you'd spend like whatever it is, eight weeks with these kids, then you wouldn't see them for a year, then you'd come back and spend the next eight weeks with them um, every year. And so we, dad essentially went up there, set up the caravan, we stayed there, and then dad would sort of commute, so he'd come up every weekend, like obviously he'd have the Christmas part with us, yeah. and then he would come up and down every weekend and week which was a big a big commute I think it was like back then before they built all the new roads it was like seven hours or something crazy like that whoa but we used to yeah spend the whole time at this lake so it's in the middle of nowhere real country town but water skiing is a big sport in that town um so we used to have you know, go water skiing, um, swimming, fishing, just all that kind of stuff. All the kids would get together and sleep out under the stars. It was very, you know, we weren't, there was like a border that we weren't allowed to leave. And, you know, as long as we came back when dad whistled, um, we were pretty much <laughs> in free reign of the place. So <laughs> That is a dream. Can I just ask you though, when is the book coming? Like when, because already everything you just described, the going back to the same place, seeing the same kids, staying there all summer, like that is surely there's a there's a middle grade book in there somewhere. There is, yes. <gasps> Have I just hit the nail on some kind of head? Some kind of nail on some kind of vague mystery head. Some future nail head may have <laughs> just been tapped with a Townsend hammer. Oh, I'm so excited! No, but that does sound like incredible fodder, doesn't it? For yes, and it was it was um, it was one of those, especially you know, obviously because of the time when. Um, parents used to parent in a very different way um which was you see their kids at eight in the morning and again at eight at night and if they were alive at both those times then they were winning on the parent front um so combined with the the times but also because it was a members area and because we knew everybody in the caravan park there was these like invisible borders like you weren't allowed to pass you know, that fence and you weren't allowed to go behind that bin. And as long as you stay, and it was a big area that we had to stay in. Yeah. As long as you stayed in that area, you pretty much had, could do whatever you want, you know? And so, and every year there was a different thing. Like there was the members caravan park and the non-members caravan park. And we used to have like 
all-out wars that would go for three days. <laughs> so you'd have one day of prep where you'd go and make, like, you know, balloons full of, like, flour and water and get <laughs> together as many water pistols as you could and fill them with lemonade so you'd be all sticky when you got shot with them. And, like, and then so you had one day of prep, three days of war, and it was full warfare. Like, I remember sitting in a tree painted like camouflaged like covered in leaves sitting in a tree for three hours in 42 degree weather just to drop a bucket of like you know the the juice that's in the bottom of a of a wheelie bin oh no oh my god sat there with a bucket for like three hours just waiting for the like the leader of the non-members caravan park to go underneath and tip the bucket on that top is of him. proper war that is true war and also can i just say like you sitting sitting there with that bucket of like bin juice <laughs> it's that seems like more of a punishment to you than a punishment to the person who just got hit and then could go have a shower. That's that's commitment. That's that's the true soldier. Oh, so stunk. There was no logic in um, the warfare. <laughs> it just was warfare. Like most yeah. wars, they are <laughs> based on senseless <laughs> theories. Um, and you often do more damage to yourself than the other person. You just had the blood, you had the blood first. You were bloodthirsty, Nat. You were just committed. I really admire that. It's very interesting because I think you and I quite have quite a lot of in common from a personality point of view, but we're quite, we write quite different things in the sense that like I kind of write, you know, realism and you write fantasy mm. for now, maybe, you know, in the future, <laughs> both shall branch across, who knows. Um, but how do you think, obviously people talk a lot about the books that you've read and how they influenced the books that you write. But how do you think maybe your like childhood influenced the books that you write? I mean, so much of my childhood was just about imaginative play. And also, and I don't know, maybe this is like, cause we're, we're pretty much spot on just about the same age or, you know, same generation or whatever, but like, I remember, and I'm sure you do as well, maybe not from those crazy, you know, warring summers, but from other periods of my childhood, I just remember long stretches of boredom. You know, I remember being bored for, you know, you're bored at the bank while your mum's lining up for 20 minutes. You're bored while, you know, your parents are having a chat to some person that they've just run into downtown and you're like, please, can we go? And so there was like so much of, just having to entertain yourself, having to go inside your own head, which, and I, what I'm about to say, I say this, I say this quite a lot. Sometimes I say it in like, I talk about it in um, like school presentations and stuff. And I just think, oh, these kids just must hate me and I wouldn't blame them. But like, I do think that this generation have kind of lost their sense of boredom and probably may not understand how valuable boredom is. Because I think that the skill and it is a skill to go into your own mind daydream make things up in your head that is like a muscle that needs work it needs exercising and now like I look at and maybe this is like just the people that I know but I look at my own the kids in my family my friends who have kids um you know, like they're obviously like we've all got screens and and do you know what it's myself as well as an adult like I I will never be bored now because I've got my phone and I've got you know my laptop and I've got this and that but you know like we've all got a screen that we can shove in our eyeballs 
And so you kind of lose that ability to just sit there and be bored and, and go into your head. But I just remember that's the thing that I remember most from being a kid was being bored and having to entertain myself and just coming up with imaginative play and spending, I was the youngest of five kids and my closest sibling in age is two and a half years older than me. So we used to we used to do quite a lot of like imaginative play when we were little with dolls and we we were joking about this the other day actually because we used to um, collect like uh, like paper roll holders and toilet roll holders and make toys out of them, like make dolls out of them that we'd like put in with our Barbie doll collection and stuff. So we would literally it was it was one of our favorite. It sounds so like Dickensian and sad, but it was one of our favorite things to do. We would literally get like a stack of textures and we would like cut these little like toilet rolls down to various sizes and we'd make little families draw on their like outfits and faces and hair and then on the back we'd write their names and ages and we would like play with our little dolls. So there was a lot of that kind of stuff. But then there was this period where Sally, my sister, she was suddenly a teenager and I was still a kid. And so I kind of other you know other than if I had friends over or was at school or whatever like I spent a lot of time on my own and just entertaining myself um so that's kind of what I remember is making up these ridiculous scenarios in my head going into these like fantasy worlds and that's how I that's what I think is the biggest influence is just having that as like a reflex for me and as a thing that I always have gotten so much joy out of it's not it's never a hardship to <laughs> to spend time in my own head it's the place that I enjoy being the most because you know, I can make anything happen. I can dream up anything. And that's, I think that's probably a big part of why I did start to write fantasy. Yeah, right. That's so interesting. And so, yeah, and so true because, I mean, so I I'm, I'm I have a one sibling, a brother, who for the first 30 years of his life wanted nothing to do with me. So <laughs> even though I had a sibling, he, I wasn't allowed in his room. If yeah. I talked, he pretended. Not to hear it um he wouldn't look at me he wouldn't acknowledge my existence he didn't want a sibling like he just was like so disinterested what's the age difference between you uh he's three years older than me yeah see it's that gap right it's that gap that's like just enough but not you know it's, it's you know if it was five years or six years it might be like oh cool I have a little sibling but it's that two or three year gap that I think generates that kind of friction yeah, I also think it's just personality-wise, like we had zero in common. Right. I think there was probably a few factors at play. He was also just a that kind of kid, like he just, mm-hmm. you know. And and the other thing was because we lived on a farm, like I couldn't see another house from my property, so there was nobody else to play with either. Yeah. So I, like you, as well as all those things that you talked about, about, you know, long you know long car trips when we went up to the lake and you just had to stare out the window for seven hours yeah. um you know while mum and dad listened to goal 104 on the radio um there was no ipads to watch a movie there was no there was none of that stuff no. you know so i think along with that and the waiting in line and all that kind of stuff i also on top of that had like i was isolated from all my friends who lived oh, like I couldn't even get even when I got a bit older I couldn't get to a bus without being like I wasn't even mm. I couldn't walk to a bus stop to get somewhere you know we were quite far away and so I had a lot of um that kind of stuff too like self-play imaginative play but I think mine was a bit more tactile so I used to go down to the end of the paddock and build a cubby house or go into we had this like the people who lived in the back of our property and I used to like if I could get through the electric fence without getting zapped too bad, they had this big swamp that like, 
like one time I found like a dead cow that was standing up in the swamp because it had gotten stuck and then like starved to death. But it was like dead, but still standing on like all four legs, just trapped, like very um, a trail from never ending story kind of thing, like quicksand style. And so I think I had sort of the same thing, but mine was a bit more like, um, I had so much autonomy as a kid. There was that real like eat breakfast, go out and play at seven, come back at midday for lunch, now go away till the sun comes down. And I think like it's that kind of, and maybe that's why like my kids in my books always have a lot of autonomy. They're not kind of, you know, they're always doing things and taking their own action. And I think that's because my parents, you know, they both work, worked full time. They were busy. They had things to do and nobody was entertaining me. <laughs> nobody was, yeah. you know, I'd be like, dad, I want to build a, a house down the end of the driveway. And he's like, okay, here's an ax. Here's some rope. Here's a pulley <laughs> system. Have fun. So I'm like this little seven-year-old with a tomahawk just walking Amazing. down to the end of the driveway kind of thing. Um, so I think for me, it's probably the same. And even though I created fantasy worlds while I was doing that play, I think what I really lean into with writing is that actual play, like how I taught myself to cut wood and build things and hammer nails. And mm. and if I wanted a Batman costume, I'd find the fabric and borrow mum's sewing machine and make it myself. Do you know what I mean? Like, so yeah. it's kind of similar things, but maybe in a slightly different, different context. So that's really interesting. That is really interesting. But do you know what? Like as much as you write contemporary, like there is, I mean, definitely for, for a lot of kids now, like there is like a fantasy element to what you write because what you've just described that is a fantasy. Like, that's a dream. That's like a yes. – I mean, I was going to say Lord of the Flies, but we all know that didn't end well. But, you know, that's like <laughs> – like, Hey, neither did some of my play, Jess, so, you know, <laughs> some of it was very Lord of the Flies. A dead cow standing up in a swamp pond, uh, very Lord of the Flies. <laughs> I was going to say, did you make a copy out of it? But that just seems grotesque. I tried to ride it. Oh, of course you did. Little Nat with her tomahawk riding a dead cow. Amazing. <laughs> but there is something so like Lost Boys and and kind of Neverlandy about your like amazing childhood that you've just described. That's um I can see why so much of that comes through in what you write. Yeah, yeah, I think and I think yeah, it's amazing. I think we do it so unconsciously inject so much of our own childhood in our writing, or especially some people do. I don't know if everybody does this, but I, it certainly sounds like, you know, you and I do it a lot um but until you actually start talking about it and breaking it down and realizing it you're like oh yeah right I'd never yeah yeah." when I look at it I'm like yeah of course I'm in it's all embedded in there sort of thing yeah I don't know anyone who I don't know any writers or authors who really and maybe people do but I, I don't know many who set out to to do that like you don't it's not really it's never really a conscious thought is it and you're right it's not until you kind of step back and sometimes I even I need other people to point out to me like oh, so you wrote that because of X thing that, you know, from 20 years ago. And I'm like, oh, yes, maybe. (laughs) Maybe you're correct. (laughs) You mean like you just did for me when you were like, yeah, but all of that is (laughs) Oh, that Townsend, she's a genius. (laughs) (laughs) It does take that outside perspective though, doesn't it? Because like so much of what we do is just, you just, I don't know, it's just subconscious. Or you just think, oh, isn't everyone writing this? Isn't it? Aren't we all just doing the exact same thing? It's like, no. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, we have been gas bagging for a while. So to wrap it up, why don't we do like a a hope for 2021, but some kind of like 2021 forward looking something. 
So, I mean, well, if we're talking like in terms of our own sort of personal goals or whatever, like for me, I just, I want to write a good fourth book. I'm really enjoying it so far. Like I need to, I just want to get in there and, and have a good routine and, you know, like I've been doing this writing thing for a little while now and I feel like I've never quite got into a good routine. But, you know, there's the eternal hope that I will. Um, but in terms of in terms of kind of just like hope, I, I mean, I, I don't know, maybe this is the sort of Australian in me, but and I know that everyone kind of doesn't have this luxury because it's all very stressful and I, I know that for a lot of people 2021 hasn't gotten off to the greatest start. But I, I think like last year I kept... I feel like I was sort of, my brain was always two or three steps ahead and thinking, well, everything will be fine by this date. Everything will be fine by that date. And, you know, planning and planning and planning and then just realizing like, that's just, it's just futile. So I think for me, I'm just trying to kind of let twenty one let 2021 be what it is. I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping for like good, joyful times ahead for everyone. I'm hoping for I don't, I don't know. I'm just hope, I'm hoping for happiness. I know that sounds so sort of cliched and, and whatever, but that is just genuinely my hope is just that we, you know, there will be unexpected happiness just around the corner. And that's just kind of how I feel on a, on a day-to-day basis is that, you know, just around the corner, we, we can't see it yet, but it's coming. Good things are coming. It's been a very rough year for a year and a bit, I guess, for a, for a lot of people. But I feel like at this point I don't even know what I'm saying. I'm just rambling on, just just hoping for something nice. <laughs> That's it. That's very 2021, Jess. <laughs> Isn't it? Like, yeah, right? Because it's like, what can you say at this point except – I don't know. Like that's what that's that's my twenty one feeling. I don't know, but maybe something nice will happen. Like that's that's a pretty good hope, right? Maybe something nice will happen. I think that's a very very legitimate conservative hope <laughs> <laughs> that protect that protects you from being disappointed and hurt. <laughs> I think that's it. That's it. Is that like when you don't put a date on something, you don't. You <laughs> It's just 2021. We'll set our expectations low. Like, that's, that's the spirit. And what's yours? Yours is going to be so much better than mine. Go ahead. Go on. No, I don't think it is. Like, uh, like personally, you know, all I would love for, because, you know, Power of Positive Pranking sort of came out right in the middle of when everything kind of was a bit better. Yeah. Um, I hadn't, you know, supposed to go on a national tour and some cool stuff like that. So I do hope from a personal point of view that I maybe get to do a bit of the stuff like the Sydney Writers Festival and the stuff that I couldn't do last year. I do have a a hope that I could do it this year. Um, And I think, you know, my books are supposed to be coming out in the UK and Oh, exciting. Yeah, so, like, I'd love to get over there. I'd love to – it's out – Millionaire's out in Estonia and Italy at the moment. I'd love to go there. Um, we had a – my partner and I were supposed to be going to France next month, and obviously that's not going to happen. But, mm. you know, I'd love to be able to tie that in with him being able to see his family. So – but I'm also very aware that that very well might, might not be the case. Um, so I'm kind of like you. I'm, I'm conservatively hopeful. Um, when it comes to my own stuff. But I think, like, bigger picture, I just really hope that with all the crap that's been happening, that there is a silver lining, that there is some kind of coming out of the ashes of. Um, I really hope that we are learning something 
you know, and it's not just COVID, it's, it's everything. It's, you know, the BLM mm. movement, it's the bushfires, it's the, you know, political situation, it's everything. I just really hope that it's not all in vain. I hope that people are seeing and going to be better because of it. Does that make sense? It, like, makes, it makes total sense. And I feel like we have seen some of that. Like I feel like we're seeing little green shoots yeah. of of change and of kindness and of more consideration and more care for each other. We're seeing a lot of the opposite end of the scale, obviously, but I feel like, I mean, my, again, ever the optimist, my my hope is always that when, you know, you when you have people coming out of the woodworks who are, you know, full of full of hatred for other people you know intolerant of any kind of difference and and so on when they get louder the way they've been getting louder I feel like that's just the you know dying swan song of a (laughs) you know like maybe that maybe that's a movement in its death throes and they're very loud and very angry because they know that they're on their way out because you know kindness and and caring for other people and tolerance and celebration of difference is, is, you know, a growing movement. Yeah. And, and, and I, I hope that these things are just really pushing everyone's empathy buttons. <laughs> That's what I'm yeah. like. I really want people to feel for other people. And, oh, 100%, 100%. Yeah. Well, I do feel really for you about your turkey fly <laughs> christmas Thank have a you. lot of sympathy that your moralimus went down the toilet because of a blackout so i thank you so much i'm feeling you jess i'm really feeling you really appreciate that that is absolutely what i was angling for <laughs> <laughs> well as always it has been an absolute delight chatting to you oh likewise such a joy yeah and i hope I hope that um, you know, you you're getting back into the writing zone and stuff goes really well. Um, and of course, we all, the whole world, but particularly me, can't wait for the next book. <laughs> Thank you, and right back at you. Congratulations on finishing your copy edit, and good luck for the next phase. And I can't wait for number three. And also, I can't wait for the adventures of Nat's crazy warlike childhood. <laughs> Can't wait for the binge factor. That's what I'm I'm gonna be looking out for that one. Jess Townsend hanging out for the binge juice. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks so much for bye.